Yes, people, we did our early week edition. That was a special, but now we go into the full fat echo chamber for this week. Okay. All right, people, as we do, you know, right, we start off with the UK box office top 10. And uh, yeah, it's for the 1st to the 3rd of April. And there has been a shake-up, people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so at number 10 this week, it is Gareth Jennings' Sing 2. Right, we got Matthew Mahonahay, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, Tony Kelly, Taron Egan, Nick Kroll, and crew bringing their voices to this animated feature. At number nine, it's Phantom of the Open. So this is from director Craig Roberts. It's written by Simon Farnaby and Scott Murray. Starring Reef Ifans, Mark Rylance, Sally Hawkins, you know. At number eight, it's the Nan movie, right? Catherine Tate, Matthew Horn, Catherine Parkinson, Pete Bennett. It's directed by Josie Rourke, written by Tate and Brett Goldstein. So that means people at number seven, it is Jackie Matria's The Worst Person in the World. Tria wrote it with Eskilvut, and it is starring Renate Rizanezes, um, Anders Danielson Lee, and Maria Gazia Di Mio. So at number six this week, it is Ruben Feischer's adaptation of the Uncharted video game, written by Art Markham, Rafe Judkins, and Matt Holloway, starring Tom Holland, Sophia Ali, Mark Wahlberg, Tati Gabrielle, and Tony Banderas. Patricia Meaden and Sarah Petrick. So we're gonna hit the top five. Our number five film people is the new Michael Bay joint. It is Ambulance, which was written by Chris Fedick, Lortis Munch Pedersen, and Lars Andreas Peterson. Starring Ezra Gonzalez, Jake Gyllenhaal, Devon Chandler-Long, Garrett Dilhunt, and Yaya Abdul-Matan II. So our number four film is Matt Reeves' The Batman. Yes, yes, yes. Goffin still holding strong. Reeves co-wrote it with Peter Craig and Bill Finger, starring Robert Patterson as the Cape Crusader, Zoe Kravatz as Catwoman, Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant James Gordon, Colin Farrell as Oz, Paul Dano as the Riddler, 
There's a, it's a fat cast, people. It's a fat cast. Our number for, for free joint. It's Easter, so, you know what I mean? We got the animated things in there for the kids. It's uh, the bad guys, right? From uh, Pierre Perifel, right? Um, yeah, it's based on a book from Aaron Blaybeal. And um, the script is from Eton Cohen and Yoni Bremer. Right, we've got Sam Rockwell, Mark Marin, Aquafina, Craig Robinson, Anthony Ramos, Richard Aedo, Zazie Beats. Yo, this is a this is a tight voice cast, people. So our number two film, it is the new Sony Marvel joint. It is Morbius from. Daniel Espinosa, written by Matt Sazama, Burke Sharpless, and Roy Thomas. Well, Roy Thomas comic books, you know, people. Jared Leto is playing Dr. Michael Morbius. We got Michael Keaton in the place, Adria Ad Ariana, Jared Harris. Matt Smith, Tyrese Gibson. <sighs> yeah, it's interesting. Ain't seen it yet, people, but yeah, soon, soon. And our number one film this week is Jeff Fowler's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Starring, well, no, sorry, written by Josh Miller, John Whittington, and Pat Casey. We got Ben Schwartz as Sonic, I believe. Idris Elba's in there. Colin O'Shanshui, Jim Carrey, James Marsden, Tika Sumter, Natasha Rothwell, Shamar Moore, Adam Polly, Lee Majup. Yeah, you know. First one was a success, so you knew they were going to come back for more. But, people, that's the top 10. Completely different from last week, right? Um, Yo, we got three films for you today. Before we get into them, a little bit of news. So, people, buckle up and let's go. Okay, people, so... Big news has dropped just on the heel. Literally, Flair, BFI Flair, just finished. And those crafty sons of bitches have now revealed the date to the London Film Festival. The 60, the 60, the 66th BFI London Film Festival, that is, people. Yes. So. On the 5th to the 16th of October is when all the fun is going to start. So make sure you mark those dates down in your calendars. But that's not all. That's not all. Because now submissions have opened up as well. So, um, yeah. 
if you have a short or a feature film, people, you can uh, submit your film with the hopes of it appearing at one of the best film festivals in the goddamn world. All right. So uh, final deadline dates for a seat of online submission forms and film screeners. So UK and international short films, right, 40 minutes or less, is Thursday the 9th of June. Um, 5 p.m. British summertime. Okay, UK feature-length films, more than 40 minutes, is... Exactly the same, Thursday the 9th of June, 5 p.m., British summertime. Uh, but they also, we are pleased to open our submissions for LFF 2022 to UK shorts and features and international shorts. All right, so this is the BFI London Film Festival presents a selection of the best in-world cinema showcasing audiences a wide array of films representing a variety of languages genres and filmmaking styles the lff showcases exceptional british filmmaking alongside international work and the program spans features shorts fiction documentary artists moving image restorations, animation, and films for family, alongside titles destined for award season glory. Seeking films for selection, our programmers view films at other festivals, follow alumni filmmakers' work, and research films in production from UK distributors and international partners, actively tracking new work from different territories. The submissions process enables us to be open to filmmakers who wish for their films to be considered so the festival can encounter fresh filmmaking voices that may not reach us by other means, ensuring we consider the widest possible pool of new work from directorial debuts to established talent. We are particularly interested in receiving more feature films from the Caribbean, South Asia, and South Saharan Africa. If you have a project which fits the criteria, please email at lffsubmissions at bfi.org.uk. So, yeah, if you go uh, to the website, there is the, the form on how you submit all the guidelines um, and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, people, there there are fees. Um, so it seems for... Uh, actually, I don't know if there's a fee. I can't see the fee for UK short films. Um, for international short films, it's £20. Uh, if you get it in by the 27th of May, um, after the 27th of May to the 9th of June, it's £35, which is not that crazy, actually, if you consider it. Um, 
yeah, UK feature films. If you get it in before the 1st of April, it's £30. After the 1st of April to the 27th of May is £40. And then from the 27th of May to the 9th of June, it's £55. Okay, so ah, now the UK short films is 50, £15 before the 1st of April. Um, from the 1st of April to the 27th of May, it's £20. And then from the 27th of May to the 9th of June, it will be £25. So, people, there you go. That's all the information. Remember, the 5th to the 16th of October, 66th BFI London Film Festival. And you can guarantee that we will be there to cover it. So, let's get into uh, some other stuff. Okay, people, let's start off with the new Blue Finch horror psychological joint, Homebound. Okay, so... Just checked out a um, a new psychological thriller. This is from Sebastian Goodwin, who wrote and directed the piece. And it all came about through... Um, I, it was like a, a commission, right, from a company called Microwave. So they, they, you know, it's producing films for like funded by the BFI. So yeah, that's not bad for your first film, being able to get in on something like that, right? So uh, yeah, he wrote and he directed. Uh, it is produced by um, Hugo Goodwin, maybe a brother. You know, I'm a a cousin, maybe. I don't know. Right. It's executive produced by Andy Brunskill, Mike Chapman, Emma Dunton, Rebecca Jorin Sharp, Nathan Kendall, Eon O'Filion, Declan Reddington, and Ian Sharp, with Emma Parsons co producing. Music is handled by Jeremy Wormsley. Cinematography was Sergei Valanova Claudine. It is edited by Rachel Durrance. Casting was Jesse Frost. Production design, Zoe Payne. Um, Gabriella Yayas. Handled costume design, makeup, and all of that stuff was handled by Alice Jones and Rebecca Krang. Um, yeah, they're the main people on it. Now, starring, so we have Holly, who's played by Ashling Loftus, and Richard, played by Tom Goodman Hill. Now, Tom, um, Richard's kids, we have Anna, played by 
Raffaella Chapman. She's the youngster. Then you have got Lucia, played by Hattie Got Got a bird, and Rafe, played by Lucas Rolf. So yeah, that's our that's our cast, people. Now the gist of the film is this: um, it follows Holly, a young woman who travels with her new husband, new fiance. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a situation. They travel to meet his estranged family, only to find his ex-wife is missing and the children behaving in a strange way. So, uh, yeah. Now, so we open up, right? And you definitely get the feel, right? Because it, it's, you know, Holly's first time meeting the kids, Right, and his ex. So you you understand that you know what I mean she's worried, right? She's a little worried. And you know, when you meet the extended family, that is definitely a thing, right? It's like, oh, they like me, like was a firm. Now, when you then can like if you consider the situation these two are in. I mean, it is one of those things where it's just like, ah, I mean, he should be riding for her, right? I I mean, it is meeting the kids. But I think that does bring up questions, right? It does bring up questions, which is, I think, one of the things with this film, right? There are a lot of questions here. So they arrive at the house, you know, Anna comes out to meet them and very evasive <laughs> with certain questions, right? So, you know, we're watching all of this kind of play out. Holly, there's a lot of trepidation. Richard seems to be really overcompensating, you know, like, ah, oh, my children, hello, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Just going a little OTT, you know? So we get all of this, but there is there is this sense of foreboding, this, this uncomfortableness lingering there, right? So that makes it very intriguing, very interesting. Like this, I mean, you see the house, House is motherfucking big, right? It is a huge ass house. So you are a bit like, yo, what's the deal here? Like, what, what what's happening? It's like most people ain't having a house that big. You know what I mean? So, so there are just all of these questions. So many questions. I I thought. Like this was an it's an interesting film, and for his debuts, Sebastian doesn't do a bad job. Now I will say, because there is, you know, they're trying to build a lot of tension and everything like that, right, to lead you to this moment at the very end of the film. A problem, I kind of thought, was the fact that. 
they try to force the tension, right? Because we get like foreboding music and it's a bit like, ah, man, like it's too much, right? You're, you're, you're really feeding this to us where, because I think the, 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 the choice of shots was decent. So I think that's enough. Right, play with the shots. You don't need the music, you know, because I think it's one of those things, especially that it's like, what's going on, right? That's the kind of thing you're trying to build. What, what's going on? Is there something suspicious? Is there not? What's the thing here? So by playing the ominous music, it's going, yeah, something's fishy right here, right here, right here. And it's just like, it, it, it shouldn't be so on the nose. It, there should always be this sense of doubt, right? It's just like, oh man, is it just the kids ain't feeling holly? Do they, are they pissed off with Rick? Like, we, we shouldn't know. You know what I mean? There should just be this, I'm not quite sure. It could go either way. But then that makes it right, really like, yo... And so, you know, certain moments are going to pop more when you're not quite sure, you know? Now, the acting, acting was very good. Acting was very solid. But the kids were really good, you know? Because I hate kids. It, sometimes it's hard to really deliver certain emotions and things like that, which you can understand because they're kids. They ain't always gone through that shit. So it's just like, yo, give us this. And be like, yo, what is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never had my heart broken yet. Like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I just thought the kids were very solid, right? And there's three of them. So usually in that kind of situation, you get one, maybe two that is killing it. And the other one might not be as good. But yeah, no, well, these kids were very good. There, there is though. I, I, I did find some confusion here, because we see certain events happen, and then there's certain other things that go down, which then make you go, okay, if that's the thing, then why was that earlier? Because essentially, that's not. That wouldn't be a concern, right? That wouldn't be a thing. So why was that? You know, there's there's some stuff like that, which, yeah, it, it makes it confusing, you know? Like, and then there's all these questions. Like, how is this the first time Holly is meeting the kids? You know what I mean? There's, that makes no sense. Right? You, you kind of scratch your head and be like, wait, but why? Surely, in these circumstances, it would have been sooner, right? So, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that don't quite add up, you know? But I will say, right, for the first film... It, you know, it is a decent stab. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that, um, yeah, Sebastian 
definitely shows some promise here. Definitely, I would say, shows promise. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. It's not a crazy film, right? It's just 71 minutes, which I think is good, right? It, it, it's good, though there's certain things that could have been fleshed out a little bit more. But I think there's other things that could have been cut. So, the, 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 you know, the film time isn't the isn't really the issue it's just the story at times feels very fragmented and um like you're tr you're playing catch up on stuff that you're thinking well that must have happened but when how huh you know there is that but homebound it's currently out in the cinema and uh, yeah, it's also just being released on your favorite VOD platforms, people. So if you are a fan of the psychological thriller, right, and you enjoy these actors and actresses, you know, because we've seen them about, man, they've, they've been putting in work over the years, right? So yeah, if you enjoy the talent and you're curious about the story, well, You've got two options. Go to the cinema or watch it from the comfort of your own home. But you can do either, people, right? And check out a little homebound. Okay, people. And we have a new Pixar joint. It is turning red. Okay, people, so I uh, took a look at Turning Red, you know what I mean? So this is a new Pixar film, and the feature debut from Domi Shi. Uh, she co-wrote the film with Julia Chu. Um, they all they all conceived the story along with Sarah Streicher. Okay, it is produced by Lindsay Collins. Cinematography is from Mahia Abbasidi and Jonathan Paitku. It's edited by Nicholas C. Smith and Steve Bloom. Um, now, the music was handled by Ludwig Göransson, his first animated score. Göransson's really getting around these days, you know what I mean? Really uh, coming up. And original songs were created by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. So, yeah, they wrote... Uh, Four Towns tracks, you know, You Know What's Up, I Love My True Love, and Nobody Like You. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. Now, our cast, we have got Rosalie Chang. She voices Mei Ling Li. Uh, we have got Sandra Wu as Ming Li, Mei's mother. Uh, 
Ava Morse is Miriam, um, one of May's best friends. There is Matri Ramas Christian as Priya, a um another one of May's friends. Um, then there's Hyan Park, who voices Abby Park, right? Um, yeah, another of May's best friends. Then there is Orin Lee, May's dad. Um, Wei Ching Hu voices Wu, uh, May's grandmother. Tristan. Alaric Chen voices Tyler. Bit of a bully. Bit of a bully to May. Right? Then there is James Hong. He voices Mr. Gao. Right? One of the elders who uh, helps out with the whole panda situation. There is Addie Chandler who voices Devon. Um, he works in a convenience store. Sasha Roy's is Mr. Kalowski, uh, May's teacher. Uh, Lily San Filippo is Stacy Frick, um, another of May's classmates. All right, so, um, yeah. Like they're, they're some of our main characters, people. And the gist of the story is this. May Lee is a confident, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. Her protective, if not slightly overbearing mother, Ming, is never far from her daughter. An unfortunate reality for the teenager. And so, as if changes to her interests, relationships, and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited, which is practically always, she poofs into a giant red panda. So, yes, there you go. Now, you've got to say, visually, visually, Pixar, yo, they knock this motherfucker out the park, son. It looks so good. So good, right? It is insane how animation has just gone so far. It is crazy. And even when you compare this to older Pixar films, sleeps and bounds, kid. It's leaps and motherfucking bounds. So, yeah, it looks great. It looks great. And it's got this fun vibe to it, right? So when, um, you know, talking about the film, right, the producers and everyone, the animators, they said they wanted to try and capture it as if you're watching it through the eyes of a 13-year-old. And... You know what I mean? Listen, it's been a long time. <laughs> I, I forget what eyes of a 13-year-old are like. You know what I mean? Um, but it is kind of that, that 
bubble gum, that bright, vibrant kind of feel. So you do kind of get a sense they nailed it on that front, right? Because it's Toronto, but with a slight little skew to it. You know what I mean? Slight little 13-year-old skew. So, yeah, it, it, it just, oh, it's very good. Now, we open up, and you've got May, you know, she's a little confident, like, fool. <laughs> she's kind of like, you know, in Punky Brewster in a way, right? But still wants that approval from her mums. So she's still, you know, helping out. Although it does seem she enjoys a lot of it, right? So it's not too much of a chore. But as she is, uh, you know, becoming a woman, I mean, 13, I mean, yeah, it's not really a woman, right? It, it, that's the crazy thing. As a kid, you, you you put these weird benchmarks and be like, oh, when I hit that age, that means, and it, no, no, puberty does not make you an adult. <laughs> it just makes you mad reckless. You know what I mean? But. She's going through all of that, and yeah, the red panda appears. So, you know, you could look at this film and say the red panda is a, um, Jesus Christ. I was going to say it's a eulogy. It's not a eulogy. No, that's the wrong word. It's, uh, you know, a metaphor. Yeah, I think, meta I think metaphor is a, yeah. I, I I think, you know, if I phoned a friend, they would say metaphor. They say, go for it. So that's what we're going to do. I think you could look at the film and say, yeah, the Red Panda is a metaphor for adolescence. You know, puberty, right? The changes um, and all of that, you know? And yeah, if it's a girl, <laughs> it does kind of have to be a Red Panda. <laughs> Ain't going to be black and white panda, you know what I mean? But. Yeah, you could say that. But then also, it's, you know, that, that kind of um, finding your own voice, right? Because there is that point made in the film that she's mad happy. She's smiling and she's laughing and rambunctious, not afraid to um, be just overly dutiful and all of that. So it is kind of that. But yeah, the, the beginning of the film, the first, mm, I don't know, 20 minutes, it, it's just kind of slice of life, right? Slice of life, her doing her thing, with hanging with her friends, with the parents in the temple, all of that. And then, then we really get, into things, right? So I think it's very interesting from that point of view. There are a few things, like I don't really think the Tyler thing really got addressed because, you know, when you look at it, she kind of did still get the blame for pushing back, as it were, you know? And Tyler is a cunt, right? He was a fucking bully. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a bit like, yo, if you play with knives, you're going to get cut, son. 
So, yeah, I kind of feel that, you know, that, that message, I would have changed that message slightly, slightly, because, you know what I mean? Hey, you got to stand up for yourselves, right? You got to stand up for yourselves. But, um, yeah, it's all in all, Turning Red, it's fun, right? The songs are catchy, you know? Blame it on your oh, 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 oh. Oh, that wasn't Four Town, baby. That was me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, the songs were catchy. It's got a fun vibe to it. And, you know, I, I, I think you get to, uh, well, when you're looking at it all, right? When you're looking at it all and you know, just that representation and all of that jazz, it's kind of, um, it's nice to see different peoples up on the screen, right? And yeah, it's animation, but it, it, it's just nice to see a little different vibe, right? Now, suppose this is the second with an Asian lead. Right, just the second uh, Pixar film with Asian lead. The first being Up, which that like I didn't even pick up that Up had an Asian lead. Huh? I mean, it's, I don't know, man. Sometimes I just look at story be story. You feel me? But you think it's still a good thing because, hey, when you think about all the films that are coming out, right? And they don't all have to look the same. So I enjoy the variety that we are getting here. Now, it's not, uh, it's like, you know what I mean? It's not a groundbreaking story. It's not anything crazily new, but it is fun. It looks great. And like, we have some really nice little moments there, right? So, hey, if you want a nice little family flick, 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 if you want a little family uh, fun time, this is going to work, right? This is going to work. But also, you can watch it on your J's. It's all gravy. But yeah, it's now on Disney Plus, people. So if you want to kick back, turning red ain't a... Okay, and let's end things with a new sports documentary. It is Alaskan Net. Okay, so when I heard about this documentary, Alaskan Nets, right, it was very intriguing because Alaska be a cold fucking place. <laughs> You know what I mean? So just the thought of uh, playing basketball, you just think, God damn. Because, I don't know, for some weird reason, I imagine them playing outside, right? <laughs> you ain't playing basketball outside. <laughs> hey, that would be more fucking impressive, right? If you're playing basketball outside, icicles for <laughs> That's not the film. That's not the film, people. But, um, yeah. It is. It's about this last native reservation in Alaska. You know what I mean? And, and so that was intriguing. 
Then I get hit up by AJ, right? And so I'm like, yo, okay, awesome. I, I was wondering how this was going to be. So, yeah, it is directed by Jeff Haramisamorwizus. I'm I am going to butcher so many names because there's some long ass words here, man. Now Jeff he also produces it with Ryan Welsh. It's executive produced by Sahir Iqbal, Iqbal, John Schumacher, and Chris Pratt. It's edited by Jeff and Welsh. Cinematography Jeff Welsh and Ryan Roseman. Cinematography, Jeff Welsh, Roseman, and Daniel Zatis. It is um, associate produced by Stephen Pedersen, Heather York, Bob Rennick, Amy Rennick, and Louise Faxton. Um, sound was Jeff Welsh and Roseman. Um, Coloring was handled by Cosmic, Dan Olson, and Russ Lasson, uh, along with Misha Young. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, also, all right, let, let's uh, Chris Pinkston, Scott Channery, uh, Rob Marshall, Jeff Martin, Brian Long. Denny Media Holdings, uh, Craig Harris and Reed Harris uh, Kate Mock, Christian Hartwell, and Music Bed handled uh, music. So that's everyone involved. People. Now, the gist of it is this. Off the coast of southeast Alaska lies an island, remote, largely hidden from the outside world, and home to the Tismishayan natives of Alaska's last remaining native reserve, Metalakatala. For more than a century, two sacred traditions have defined metakalakalaka, fishing and basketball. I, I mean, that's a combination, right? It's a strange combination. And it's a small place, right? Which then, you know, there is a thing at the beginning and the guy's like, you know, in the, in the 1970s, I got into my busted pickup truck. I was on the ferry, and my friend, he was like, yo, you hear that? You hear that pounding noise? He's like, oh, we're going to a, a reservation. Well, what could it be? He's like, hey, that's the sound of the basketballs bouncing. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Hey, that's a fun story. But with a place so small, could that really be true? Could that really be true? I don't know, people. I don't know. And, and you kind of wonder how this came about, right? So, um, Jeff, you know, we've got a director's statement. He's like, I've always been drawn to sports stories. Hoosers, Rudy, Friday Night Lights. The list goes on. 
sports. I mean, I would have thrown in never give, never, no, ugh, never ever Sunday. What's that motherfucking film, man? Any given Sunday, any given Sunday. Yeah, that was. I love that film. Anyway, let's get back to Jeff's statement. Right, the list goes on. Sports are a great unifier, a way for people from so many different backgrounds, experiences, and places to rally around a common interest, a common passion. But more than that, sports and great sports movies reveal something deeper about the human condition. The stories become less about the game itself and more about the people playing it. When I stumbled across the story of Metalakalaka, I was instantly hooked. A, I had no idea basketball was akin to religion in this remote Alaskan village. B, I had no idea high school kids and younger were also commercial fishermen struggling to provide for their families. And C, I had no idea that there was only one remaining native reserve in the state of Alaska. The intersections of A, B, and C convinced me this was going to be a special story. So we went all in. I got married in October in 2017, moved to Alaska in November 2017 to begin making this film and proceeded to spend almost every dollar I had over the next three years to see it through. The rest is history. I'm a believer that things happen for a reason. And when you see what took place during the making of this film, I challenge those who believe otherwise. This is a special story about a largely hidden group of people from a corner of the world most people have never heard of. Stories of indigenous communities and their resilience in the face of environmental, economic and societal hardship could not be more important. I'm honored and humbled to tell the story of Metalaka, Alaska, and their beautiful yet delicate way of life. So, yeah, that, that's the story. And I think one of the big things is, I mean, Jeff doesn't mention it, but I, I imagine it must have been a thing, right? Because they have only won the state championship one time. In 1984, 1984, right? So it's just like, you, you kind of think to yourself, how is this such a religion? You know what I mean? Like, why is it so passionate when you've only ever won the big prize once? Once. And you know what I mean? Like, what's that? 30... Eight years ago, you know what I mean. It is. It's a long up. I mean, then it, it wasn't as long because it was, you know, the twenty seventeen season. But you think like it was so long ago. So why the fuck is it such an embedded institution? Right. That's the big thing that you wonder. Um. Now it we we start off mainly looking at like the fishing aspect of the place and yeah these kids are going out and fishing and diving which you just think 
I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? It's fucking crazy. Uh, like, the, you know, they're talking that they're at school, but, you know, it, it's this belief that, yeah, that, that you're going to be a Fisher person, right? So why fuck with school? You know what I mean? So a lot is trying to get people to come to school and, and study because, you know, even if they're on the basketball team and playing well and all of that, it's that thing where if your grades are shit, you ain't playing, you know? But, yeah, there's there's so many questions, right? Because, you know, there is text at the beginning, you know, the, the sawmill shut. You know, climate change has decimated the fishing. So industry isn't quite there. That's why everyone's diving. Now, there are questions here. But they talk about the dangers of diving, but they don't really explain the diving. Just that you go down attached to an air tube. Right, because you're just getting cucumber and I forget the other thing. So it's not like you're you're trying to catch moving objects. So they go down, right? But it's like, okay, you know, obviously if the pipe, the tube where your air is coming from, if that gets tangled, disconnected, yes, I get that. But it's like, are these people diving solo? Like and if that, why solo, right? There's, a, there's so many questions attached to it, which aren't answered. That is a frustration, right? There are things here which get mentioned, but we don't get the depth I would have liked. I'd, you know what I mean? I was curious, people. I'm curious, right? So we have all of this that they're diving and all this struggle, and it, it, it's just this thing about trying to get these kids to focus and, and be committed to school. We then have the big thing of, like, there's always deaths because of the diving or just, you know, just fishing is, is uh, a crazy thing. Like, and, and, and I think fishing in such a cold place, right? So you have all of this. So people go into school and then you get a call and it's been an accident. And it's just like, yo, who the fuck? Because everyone basically has someone in their family who's out there fishing, right? So no, like that call is brutal. It's a brutal thing. So we're seeing all of this. Now, there is a school counselor, but you kind of think, ah, oh, man, there needs to be more. Right, there needs to be more, but you know, we're, we're following these kids on this season, you know. What I mean, it, it's the it's the, the, the you know, this season where it's like this is the best opportunity they have to win the championship, right? Now, I, I think it's not really explained why. That is the best opportunity, right? What what makes these kids so different? Because we see these little motherfuckers arguing like shit. Oh my god! Sometimes you just like you're watching it and you just be like, "Yo, slap that little motherfucker!" But then you're just like, "Oh yeah, these are kids." 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Be like, yeah, I mean, these are kids. Okay. All right. I guess we got to give them motherfucking slack. You know what I mean? But it's a, yeah, it's a curious thing just watching these crazy dynamics because they're all, no, they're not. I was going to say they're all basically related. They're not. Like a few of them are like cousins and you know there is what like the our, our two kind of main people that we're following like um the dj and the danny right basically their parents are related because the brothers they're like a brother there's two brothers and sisters and they both married the other one you know what i mean like the brother married the sister and the sister married the other brother. Yeah, you get yeah, you get it, right? That's what happened. So it's like basically family. It's different surnames, but you know what I mean? But so we're following them and they're close, but yeah, there's this weirdness that they just argue like shit on the court, right? Which isn't really explained. And you kind of think to yourself, right, surely there must be a way of fixing this because it just keeps on happening, right? It's, 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 it's an odd one. It's an odd one. I'm, I'm a bit like, yo, what, what's happening around this? Also, there's kind of questions of, you know what I mean? Because it said that there's been other teams since the championship team in 84 that have been great had great players. So you do kind of wonder as well, then do scouts ever come? Is there ever the, the hope, right? The chance of getting scholarships, getting, you know, picked up for like the NBA or, you know, European team, like anything like that. Is there these other things? Because that's always a, a big thing, right? In in impoverished communities, sometimes the way out is through sport. But that didn't really seem to be a thing here. Which you do kind of go, huh, why? Like, what, what's the deal? What's going on? Like, again, not answered. It's not my fucking answered. But... Man, I am a fan of a sports film, right? There is something about watching games, you know what I mean? Like th those last-minute shots, those buzzer beaters. It's just the tension of it just gets you pumped. It gets you pumped, man, which is always just like, oh, shit, what's happening? What's going to go down? You know what I mean? Uh I will say the coach, the coach seemed like a, a, a nice dude, seemed like a real nice dude. He was committed, right? The abuse my man was getting is insane. He can't give a motivate. He, he can't give a motivating talk, though. His speech, like, it was just like, yo, son, practice your speeches, man, because they don't have the gravitas, like, it's just like, come on, you gotta pump these little motherfuckers up, yo, but, um, it's, 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 it, it is captivating, right, there are parts of it, you know, which isn't basketball, and you're following the fishing, and you're hearing people talk about, you know, the struggles, and everything, which is interesting, right, but, 
it would have been nice to get a little bit more context to it all, you know? Right? Like, at the very end, you find out that the coach had a long-term girlfriend. Like, we, we knew nothing about some of their personal lives or the other things that drive them, that keep them motivated, you know? Which it, it would have been interesting to find out some of this stuff. But, yeah, when we're watching the game, like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. You're, you're definitely on it. You're like, what's going to happen? What's going to go? Which then it, it does give the thing of we don't need the motivational music during the game. A game has enough tension just watching the fucking game, right? The way it's getting played out. So we didn't need... We didn't need the music. And especially, why are you starting the music in the first fucking quarter? That was a little baffling. That way you're just like, yo, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Uh, the other frustration was the fucking... There was subtitles, which were tiny, right? No bass behind them. So it's just a white on light backgrounds, which is always infuriating. Then you've got other text. It was bigger text, but it's all cap, right? It's all cap. So it's firstly, it's not big enough just to see. So I'm still having to stop the fucking thing to try and read this information. Then it's all capped. So it's not even you can differentiate the letters from each other, which again, it's just like, what are we doing? It could have been narrated, right? I don't know why they chose to do fucking subtitles. Just narrate it. Have someone say the words. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Arr! It's infuriating. So, listen, it's not a perfect documentary, right? But it's intriguing as a motherfucker. You want to see how it all pans out. I mean... You basically know how it's going to pan out because why are they making a documentary otherwise, right? But it, it, you, you're intrigued to see, and it is like, whoo, it's now baiting, it's now baiting, it's now biting, it's now biting. One thing that was curious, right? Is we see how the basketball team travels, but you're like, how did their cheerleaders get there? <laughs> I mean, that, that's one thing. I'm just like, how did cheerleaders? Because we don't see, like, we only ever see the cheerleaders at the games, right? So you think, how do they travel? You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, do girls play basketball? Like, what else is going on? You know, like, it was just these weird questions that you kind of think of during this whole thing. And we're like, yo, what else is going on, man? Like, what? <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's an intriguing thing. It's an intriguing thing. If you do like sports documentaries, you, I, I imagine you will dig it. I imagine you will dig it. It's a little long. You know what I mean? I will say that it is a little long, right? It's about, what is it? It's about two hours, just over two hours. No, no, it's, I think it's just slightly under two hours, right? So it is a little long, 
But yeah, I, I think the tension of the games does make up for all of that. So Alaska Nets, it drops Friday, people. So uh, yeah, maybe you want to check out and see how these little motherfuckers do. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, you can because it will be there. All your favorite VODs. All right. So yeah, Alaskan Nets. Okay, people. So we are coming to the end of another episode. But before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's going down in the world of film. Okay, there's quite a bit happening, people. You know, I mean, ain't gonna lie, right? So, um, Laura Dern and Liam Hensworth are starring in a new film called Lonely Planet. It's a Netflix joint, right? It is being directed by Susanna Grant. Um, Grant produces the film along with Sarah Tim Bowman. And Liza Shazin. Um, okay, so another film coming this time over at Amazon is Ending Things. Yes. So uh, this is being written by Kevin Sullivan. Okay. Um, it's been produced by Jeremy Stein. And it is going to be starring Anthony Mackie and Priyanka Chopra, right? It's an action feature, and it's about a hit woman who wants to retire and tells her business partner she's ending the personal relationship as well. She soon soon realizes she doesn't want to end that part of their bond. In order to survive the breakup and their last job together, they must join forces for one last night out. Uh, Also at Netflix is Damsel, right? This is the... um, yeah, this is the new film written by Dan Mazu, right? It is, I believe it's directed by Jean Carlos Fresnadillo, right? And um, it's going to be starring Millie Bobby Brown and Angela Bassett, okay? So, um, Yeah, it follows a princess shocked to discover that she'll be sacrificed to the kingdom's sacred cave dragon after being married to her prince charming. Dum, dum, dum. Um, We've got Creed Free, which we know is on the way, right? Some peoples have uh, joined that cast, you know? Which is this time is being directed by Michael B. Jordan, it would seem. All right, so, um, yeah, coming in is Salenzi Laver, Thaddeus J. Mixon, Spence Moore II, and Miller Davis Kent. Okay, 
So um, we've also got Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Woody Harris, Wood Harris, even Florian Montanillo, uh, Felicia Rashard. Okay. Um, other news over at Universal, right? Um, yeah, we've got a new joint called Batshit. Right, it is um, being produced by John Silk, um, and yeah, I think it's from Ryan Bellinson and Jeff Gelbers. So uh, that that sounds like it could be. Uh, yeah, could be interesting people, you know what I mean? So, uh, we will see what happens with that. Uh, also, um, Stephen Karzaniskis has a psychological thriller he's just written called Event, which has been picked up by Alcon Entertainment, right? Uh, so, um, Florian Henkel von Donsomark is directing. It follows a paranoid young man who believes a kidnapping victim is taping messages to him through his apartment building air vent. Hmm. That does sound a little paranoid, right? <laughs> Woo! Okay. Um, now, we know that Amazon has now picked up MGM Studios, right? And that means all 25 Bond films, you know, starting with Dr. No and all the way to No Time to Die will be coming to Amazon Prime next Friday. So Easter Friday. Yeah, I think that's Easter Friday, right? Yeah, they'll be um, coming to Prime, right? Or is it this Friday? I'm not sure. I think it's next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so it's saying um, all films will be launched on Amazon on that date, marking the first time all Bond films will be available on one streaming platform without requiring individual purchases. Dum, 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 dum. But it's not for long, okay? So it's only going to be available for two months um, when all the others will disappear, but then No Time to Buy will come back. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, people, it's a long weekend, so maybe you want to spend it in the James Bond universe. Who knows? Um, but also at Amazon is Officer Exchange. This is the new John Cena vehicle. Okay. Um, so Cena will be playing Shepard Shep. Uh, is a wrecking ball of a cop who teams up with an Indian police officer to take down a diamond smuggling ring in India. 
Okay. It's being written by Ben Zazuf and Evan Turner. Um, yeah. Peter Safran and John Richard will be producing the piece. Okay. So over at Paramount Plus, they've just copped the rights to Finest Kind, right? The new film from Brian Helgeland, right? It's starring Tommy Lee Jones and Ben Foster. Um, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, yeah, Helgeland, um, he hasn't directed anything since 2015. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see how this one goes, right? Um, also, people, old Kid Cuddy is really getting into the acting game, right? He was in The Hard Today Fall last year, which was friggin' awesome and huge. X this year. He's got the Netflix joint coming, and he has just joined Silent Night, right? This is the new film from John Woo. And the interesting thing is, supposedly, no dialogue, right? It's starring Joel Kinnaman, who will be playing Goodlock, a father on a mission to avenge his young son, who is tragically caught in the crossfire of gang violence on Christmas Eve. Dum, 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 dum. So, um, yeah, Cuddy will be playing Detective Dennis Vazel. Um, yeah, and it is being written by Robert Lynn. So, uh, oh, there you go, people. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. All right, so, um, Joel Talbot has a new film coming. Um, it's called The Governesses. It is at A24 and BBC Films, right? And it is going to be starring Lily Rose Depp. Huyan Zhang and Renata Ransviv. Okay, so it is based on a book by Anne Sears, right? And it follows three rebellious governesses who upend the household that they work in, inspiriting the minds of the boys in their care, igniting the imaginations of the bohemian couple who employed them, and abandoning their charges for erotic adventures. Hmm. So, um, yeah, Tolbert is adapting the book along with Olivia Gatwood, right? Um, and Ed... Uh, and Ed Guinea, Andrew Lowe, Rob Rickeret, and Angus Lamont are producing the piece. Okay, so let's end with this one, people, because we um, have a new film from Joe Carnahan, Carnahan, right? Whew. <laughs> it's called Shadow Force, and it is coming to Lionsgate. It's going to be starring Omar Sy and Kerry Washington, 
Okay, so we follow an estranged couple with a bounty on their heads who must go on the run with their son to avoid their former employer, a shadow ops unit that has been sent to kill them. Ooh. So Carnahan writes the script with Leon Chills, right? Um, it's being produced by Washington Pilar Savon, Sterling K. Brown, and Stephen Love. So, um, yeah, people, there you go. There you go. That's it, man. So, yo, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Go check out our early episode in the week where we took a look at what we do. You do two films, three films. I forget. We looked at films, people. And yeah, all the information on today's films are in the episode information. So go check them out. And we will see you next week for some more film action. Peace.